Welcome to Body by Design. I'm your host, Blue Driver, a women's strength training and metabolism coach. I went from years suffering hormone imbalances, looking soft and bloated, to symptom-free and building muscle for a toned athletic physique. Since then, I've made it my mission to empower women to take control of their own health, hormones and body composition. So grab a cup of coffee and let's build your body by design. Welcome everyone to episode three of Body by Design. So today is about reframing macro tracking from restriction to a tool for long-term success. What I wanted to dive into today is about um, the old perception that tracking was always about restriction. It was about losing weight. It was about dieting, 1,200 calories, how little can you eat? And really, when we dive right into what macro tracking can be, we can reframe it to see it can actually be a key component to not only the success of our body composition goals, whether you are actually looking to reduce body fat to reveal muscle, where you're looking to uh, actually build muscle, whether you're in a recon phase, or whether you actually just want to maintain where you're actually at now, or overall healthy, sustainable habits. Tracking doesn't have to be something you do forever, but it's a skill and you need to learn it. And if you learn that skill and use it over a period of time, over all sorts of of times in your life, so say you tracked for six months or a year, you're going to go through special occasions, you're going to go through birthdays, you're going to go through holiday periods, um, unexpected life events that just come up that might throw you off track and how do you manage your tracking and your food to still get those body composition goals that you want or that that health and hormone healing that you're looking for so that's what I'd like to, to dive into today. I think, you know, um, tracking and data has some amazing benefits. And when you actually get into it and you learn this skill um, and you use that data, you can get to a point that when you've got the body composition goals that you want and you just want to maintain it, you don't actually need to, to track anymore because you get this awareness about what is good for you Um what feels good for your body, uh, what portion sizes are good for you to meet your maintenance, find, you know, all of those sorts of things. So you can just mindfully eat. And then once in a while, you might go, oh, I'm feeling a bit tired. So just pull your tracking in, track your food. You might go, oh, there it is. You know, I'm leaving it too long between lunch and dinner to eat, or, you know, I'm not really quite getting enough protein, or I'm not balancing myself out. I'm a little bit low in carbs in the morning, whatever it is. You can see the data again and go, yep, okay. And it brings you back to mindful eating. And then you don't have to track again. So it's something that you can pull in and out. I am currently in a season of my life where I'm really looking for some specific changes in my body. I actually love, I don't have plans at this stage to step onto stage, but I actually love the process of bodybuilding without going to the extreme lean that can actually be health compromising. Um, I do enjoy the actual the building and the manipulation of the look of my body. I've I've done my healing phases. I've done my years of getting past all those hormone issues. I had years of endometriosis and chronic thrush, and I sorted my eating out. And pro metabolic has freed me in that sense. 
But the tracking itself is what now gives me the ability to really manipulate my body composition to get a a pleasing look while maintaining my health. So I am actually tracking a lot at the moment. But I certainly have, when I went through that stage of healing and I was feeling good, I sat in a place of maintenance for a long time and I didn't track strictly. And my body composition never changed for the negative in that period of time. And then I got into a place where I was like, right, now I really want to do some building. So I have spent the last two years actually strictly tracking just because that's what I love to do but you actually don't have to do that all the time. So if tracking doesn't have to be about restriction and and making sure you eat as little as possible, what can it be? I think just going on me talking about though the real specific goals that I've got at the moment is a great place to start because wanting specific goals means that you need to get specific in your actions and that includes food. So the two things that are going to change your body composition is more muscle, less body fat. Muscle is grown in the gym. Yes, nutrition is part of it. We need to be making sure we're getting enough protein and all that sort of stuff, but it is predominantly grown in the gym and the loss of that body fat and being lean is though yes part of that is training as well that's probably more predominantly in the tracking space so when you really want to get specific about these things and keep control of it so it doesn't blow out uh, let's say you decide to go into a building phase if you just go yeah well I'm just going to eat more and eat more protein it doesn't matter if it's all protein just because protein's good for you um, and helps you build muscle if you overeat it in the sense that you're overeating in calories you're going to gain weight and if your body isn't using it to convert to muscle which in reality it can only do so much with it the excess of calories is going to go into body fat as well. So in a muscle gain phase, you will gain muscle, but you also will gain a little bit of fat with it because you are in a surplus. And that is the intent to maximize the muscle gains that you're actually exceeding it with a bit of fat gain. But if you don't get specific and you just eat and you you go too far, you're going to gain a level of body fat that far outweighs what you needed to, to actually gain the amount of muscle that you put on. And then when you get to the end of that phase, you're you're going to have to pull all that back, which means going into a deficit. And the longer you have to be in a deficit, the more likely you are that you will lose muscle. So if you get really specific about tracking your macros and just having a slight surplus, and it doesn't take much to go too far over. So if you're not specific, which would be with tracking and weighing your food, you can easily go over. So if you want to maximize your building phase with as minimal fat gain as possible, you're going to need to track your food. One, you need to know what your maintenance is to start with, then you add your 10% surplus, and that's where you sit. But if you're not tracking that, it would be so easy to go to a 20% surplus, and then you're actually, that's just all additional fat. You're not building any extra muscle with that extra 10% that you've just put on. 
So getting really specific. And the same is for getting lean as well. I think, you know, we hear a lot about the getting lean and the fat loss um, and about how we need to lower our calories. Um, And that's why I I start with the example of muscle building because it doesn't actually all have to be about fat loss. But to touch on the fat loss space that if you want to keep your health and you want to be able to sustain the fat loss phase as long as you can, so usually we say 12 to 16 weeks before you need to pull out um, and and have a bit of a diet break for health reasons. Obviously, stage and competing is a different story, but we also know that they have significant um, metabolic impacts in getting that lean and being in a diet for that long. So when we talk from a um, lifestyle perspective, so that's what I consider myself, a lifestyle builder, I still really only want to be doing 12 to 16-week phases before I take a break. So if I want to last that long, feeling as good as possible and get the most out of the fat loss phase, what I don't want to do is lose too much energy that I can't perform in the gym and hold my muscle because I didn't build that muscle easily. I want to hold it. And if I go into too bigger deficit, one, it's simply just not enough calories and you will start Uh, eating into your muscle. You will lose muscle with it, but also your energy becomes that low too quickly in the the piece to be able to push hard enough in the gym because it is hard work when you're in the gym and in a deficit. It feels really hard that the sooner that that happens or the more exaggerated that that feeling is, the quicker that you're going to lose muscle because you can't push hard to tell your muscle, yes, I still need you. It's not getting the stimulus it needs. So this is where we need to get, if you want specific results of fat loss or muscle gain, you need to get specific with your food because it is the other key component, training and food. You can't have one without the other. It doesn't matter if you've got a specific training plan that's the best hydropathy and all the rest of it. If you're not eating correctly, you're still not going to get the results that you want. So tracking the data helps you be very specific. Um. I think the other thing with tracking is if you're newer into going to the gym and you're just trying to eat healthy and you're going to the gym, um, but you, you're like, oh, I don't know that I'm seeing results are kind of getting stronger, but I look the same. That's potentially that, yeah, you could be building the muscle, but you, you're not reducing that body fat. But at the end of the day, you don't actually even know how much food maintains your weight. So tracking gives you a baseline of your body. There's lots of calculators out there that you can use and you use your height and your weight and your age and your activity intensity, uh, your activity frequency, and it will spit you out a number and say, this is your many calories. And that's great for someone who has never done any tracking before. It's a really great place to to start. But that is just the beginning of determining your maintenance because those calculators are based on the averages of everything, the averages of the big herd. So they average out the intensity. So if you say you work out with a high intensity, well, that's very subjective. My high intensity and your high intensity could look very different and expend 
different amounts of energy. Um, they also take a collective of people and take that average. You may be on the higher or the lower end of that average. So you can start with those trackers and that number, but what you really need to do to find your maintenance for where your metabolic system's at and where your intensity of training is at and your neat activity, how much do you fidget during the day, all of that is take that number that the calculator gives you and track, specifically meet those calories and track your weights and measurements against those calories for two to three weeks, two to four weeks even. If your weight and measurements are maintaining, you are at maintenance. If they are slowly creeping up, you're in a slight surplus. If they're obviously increasing rapidly, you're in a, in a large surplus and same for the reverse. So then you can go, okay, I'm slowly increasing weight here. I'm going to drop my calories by 10% and track for another two weeks. And you will actually find, so it can take some time, but you will actually find what your maintenance is for you specifically as an individual on everything that you do and how you train and how you move and foods you eat. So get so getting that maintenance can only be done by tracking and being consistent. So that's another great benefit because once you know your maintenance, you can then go, this is my true maintenance, not an estimate, and I'm going to do a build phase. And that is usually around 10%. So I'm going to add 10% calories and I'm going to work hard in the gym. You still track your, your weights and your measurements to make sure that you're not gaining at too fast a rate. And there are, you know, advised rates, gains, weight gain rates to look at when you're in a build to help manage that fat gain. If it's a little bit too much, you can drop it back a bit. If it's a little too under, you start bumping it up because as you gain muscle, you're actually, and weight, you're actually going to burn more calories. So if you did a really long build phase, you might start at maintenance, add 10%, and then all of a sudden your weight gain starts really slowing down. So then you might want to add another 5% because your weight and your muscle mass has gone up, which naturally burns more calories. So now you need to bump it up to make sure you're maximizing that muscle. So finding maintenance before you can do any of that and get really specific with how you build muscle or lose body fat, finding your personal maintenance is the only way to do it is the only way to get specific with moving away from herd averages. So that's another really good tool and, and it just helps you understand your body. But tracking just doesn't have to be about body composition. I know a lot of you out there are in that training space and it's certainly where I'm at and predominantly what I use it for now. But in early on in my journey, mine was about getting healthy again, getting my damn hormones balanced because I know that if I had to pull back on my training once a month because I had horrendous periods of heavy bleeding and clotting and pain, now I had to listen to my body and ease training. And I know there's a lot about cyclic training out there, but I'm kind of of the opinion that is if your periods are that problematic, they're making you pull back every single month for three, four days, even up to a week, 
you have an issue there. You have a hormone imbalance there and you need to address that. And tracking can certainly do that for you. One of the biggest things we can do for our hormones, uh, the way we hold body fat or release body fat for our energy levels is balancing our blood sugar. Let's get back to some real basics. It sounds so simple. Balance your blood sugar. How do you know that your blood sugar is being balanced? Or how do you balance your blood sugar when you're lagging in energy or you have hormone imbalances? You need to eat balanced meals at regular intervals through the day. So what does a balanced meal look like? Minimum of 30, 25 to 30 grams protein. You probably want anywhere between equal to double carbs and some fat in there. You know, maybe the 5 to 15, 5 to 15 gram range, just depending on what your calories are. The fat isn't as big a thing for the balancing. You want some fat in there, but depending on your macros and uh, how you respond to carbs and fats would depend how much fat you're going to have in there. But the protein, the, the 25 to 30 grams of protein at a minimum and equal or, du- or up to double carbs is really what you want to balance your blood sugar. But how do you know that? Track your food. Seriously, track your food. It, it, it just This uh, resistance to tracking food that people go, oh, I don't want to be so restricted. You don't have to be restricted. You can learn to build your own plans. All my clients that come in and see me in my coaching container, if they have no experience with macro tracking at all, I generally give them a meal template and I show them how to manipulate it. And then as they gain confidence in macro tracking, they're building their own meals out of all the foods that they love and are good for them and support their health. It doesn't have to be restrictive just because you're tracking when you want to lose that weight or gain that muscle, that's where it gets very specific and you want to stay in those guidelines. When you want specific results, you need to get specific. But in for general health, just knowing that you're balancing your blood sugar is the very, very start. Know your maintenance, balance your blood sugar. And the only way you're going to know if you're balancing your blood sugar is to know that you're getting 30 grams of protein plus equal or up to double carbs. How do you know that? Track your food. Just comes back to track your food. There's, that's the only way you're ever going to truly know. Everyone can go, oh, palm size of this. And that, you know, even I use that sometimes. I'll go, oh, palm size serve of protein. But that's a guesstimation. And they're tools that we use when we're out and about and everything. But if you can dial that in at home, because it is so easy to put a plate on top of a scale and pop your meat on top of the scale until you go, okay, that's 100 grams. And in my tracker, it says 100 grams gives me uh, 26 grams of protein. Okay, so now you know you're done. But you're only going to do that by tracking it. So balancing your blood sugar will have huge impact on your energy, your hormones, your insulin sensitivity. Now, your insulin sensitivity or insulin resistance is what is going to affect the way you hold fat. The more insulin resistance that you have or less sensitive to constant high insulin is from 
your blood sugar go peaking because probably there's way too many carbs and no protein. So your insulin's got to work really, really, really hard. And if you do that regularly, you become less sensitive to the insulin to bring your blood sugar back down. And then your body starts holding on to fat. A lot of women in their 40s, after years of not eating really well, they're starting to see those hormone changes and they're holding that belly body fat or that upper thigh cellulite. And that is from not having good blood sugar balance and your body is not letting go of that fat. So blood sugar balance is another great thing that we get out of tracking. Uh, gut issues. So lots of clients that come to me with gut issues, we use the data to correlate gut symptoms and food. So even if you aren't strictly tracking to get body composition goals, if, if you have digestive issues, be it constipation, diarrhea, um, just that constant bloat, indigestion, like anything that you go, I've just eaten and I feel upset now, or I ate an hour ago and now I've got diarrhea. If you track your stools, so in the app that we use, we have you can actually track your stools. I set up specific charts for it and you use the Bristol stool chart. If you don't know what the Bristol stools chart is, go and Google it. It's everywhere. It's actually used in the medical field and basically it's a numbering system of one to seven of from diarrhea through to constipation, sorry, other way around, constipation at one, diarrhea at seven. Uh, and it gives you little pictures as well for each of those numbers of what your stools kind of look like. So my clients track their numbers. And where I see it's, you know, peaking at a six and a seven all the time, I go, okay, there's something going on here. I had one client that ate pro-metabolic she ate consistently, but there was something just going wrong with her digestion. And we were like, what is it? So when we started pulling all the data of her her stools, so, she, you know, um, di her digestive issues were actually diarrhea. So when we started looking at her peaks and troughs of diarrhea and what was in her diet, she was significantly irritated by rice. Now, rice is a pro-metabolic food that you should be able to digest, but people, it is an easier to digest starch in comparison to wheats and legumes and, and grains. It is one of those grains, white rice, that is much easier to digest. But actually people still, when they are metabolically compromised, still have some issues with rice. Or if they've had parasites and gut irritation for a long time, they can actually be irritated more by rice. So removing the rice so your gut can settle down and spend a period of time just bringing that inflammation out can actually help. So we actually did the tracking of her stools and looked back at her food log. So it wasn't even about macros and calories. It was about logging the food. And we pinpointed that it was rice. And as soon as we removed rice from her diet, her gut settled down and she has spent years battling this, literally years to the point that the diarrhea was causing a lot of mineral deficiencies in her because if you have diarrhea, everything's moving through your system too fast and you can't absorb the nutrients. She had hair falling out. You know, once we fixed this, she even, I remember she texted me one day and she was like, oh my God, I had to pluck my eyebrows. I haven't done that in years because her hair was growing back. Her, the hair on her head was lush and healthy and feeling 
thick and full again. She wasn't losing it at a great rate of knots like she was before, but now her eyebrows were regrowing because she was absorbing minerals because why? We removed rice and how did we find that? We tracked the data. We tracked her food. Another client just messaged me the other day and went, I noticed my gut's going off again. I've just introduced mango. Great, let's do test and measure. So she's had a couple of weeks where she's got days where she's going off. We've removed the mango altogether. We're going to give it a week. And if everything settles down over the week, we'll have one day where she brings in the, I think it's frozen mango in a smoothie she was having. And mango can be irritating as well with its fibres, particularly if it's not um, really ripe. Um, And the frozen ones can be made from less than quality eating mangoes, so they can be quite underripe. So we'll just introduce that for another day after her gut settled down and then remove it and watch what it does to her stools. And we are expecting that she will peak again with some diarrhea and that will be confirmation to us that she can't handle mango at the moment. So we'll just remove that. But again, she's had digestive issues for many years. We're only five months into this journey. Her digestion's pretty sound now, but it does get irritated easily. There will come a point in her life where she can have mango once in a while probably and it be okay. Maybe not. There are the odd foods. I know I personally can't eat eat um, pasta and pineapple juice without looking like I'm six months pregnant. So it's obviously irritating my gut. So I just don't eat it all the time because I don't want that constant irritation in there. But I know I can eat it occasionally. Once upon a time, I just constantly look bloated. I was what they called skinny fat. I wasn't an overweight person, but I was very soft looking. And I just had this gut all the time, just this big ball belly, more than a female little bump that has our uterus and organs in there because we are meant to have a little bit of a bump. I'm talking about a bloated six-month looking gut. I don't get that anymore. I know what irritates me. I've healed my gut. And tracking is what did that. You can correlate the foods to your digestion when you have a record of it. Um, The other thing would be awareness around food quantities and what's in them. So lots of people when they first start tracking, particularly women, Even if you're a gym goer and you're like, oh, I'm trying to eat better, you know, I'm working hard in the gym, but I'm not building this muscle. Great. Track your food and tell me how much protein you're having. Oh, wow. Well under 100 grams of protein and fat. We're talking like 80 to 100 grams of fat in someone that is around, you know, possibly 1,800, 2,000 calories, maybe a little bit more. So it's it's a lot of fat. Uh, You know, I know I peaked in my build at just over 3,000 calories and my fat still was only 70 grams at 3,000 calories and 70, 170 grams of protein or 175 grams of protein. So we had to keep shifting that uh, fat up so I could get enough protein in without having to rely on protein powders. So someone who's on the 1,800 to 2,200 calories having 80 to 100 grams of fat, that's huge. Any woman should not be eating under 100 grams of protein, full stop. Don't care what sort of exercise you do or don't do. You could not exercise at all. Your hormone health and to just stop losing muscle because as we age, we're going to lose muscle. At a minimum, you need 100 grams of protein, minimum. And most women come to me 
under eating protein and they're in the gym. So when we strength train, we know that strength training requires 1.8 to 2.2 grams of protein per kilo of weight. Now, if you're quite a large person and have a lot of body fat, you might want, you might not want to use your current weight. You might go, okay, what's my ideal weight and work it out based on that. Same with someone who's under eating and too thin. We may go, well, what's your ideal weight and what protein are you do you need on that? And it's usually around the 1.8 to the 2.2 grams of protein. I've been a lot higher than that. Generally, I feel really good on 2.5. Now, over the years, I've learned that because I track my food and I know how much I eat. So I know that I actually, uh, you know, muscle building is actually quite challenging for me. I've had over the last few years, there's been a lot of stress in my life, significant stress. We're talking about divorces, stalking, cancer, Uh, child custody battles. So lots going on in our life, really significant stress that I had no control over. And stress can be the killer of gains, the absolute killer of gains. And I just found to help support me through that, I actually just needed more protein. I felt better on more protein and I just build more muscle on more protein. So I was up to the 2.25 and there's nothing wrong with that. But at a minimum, someone new in the gym, you're trying to get a ballpark figure of what you're doing, 1.8 to 2.2 grams of protein per kilo of ideal body weight is what you want to be doing. The only way you're going to know that is if you plug that into a macro tracker and go, if I eat this much steak, this much chicken, I have some prawns and throw in a scoop of protein powder, how much does that give me? okay, I need more. Am I going to add protein powder? Am I going to have a bigger serve of steak? What does that look like? So it gives you awareness of how much protein and carbs and everything you need. But then when you actually start weighing it and everything, so you know you need 30 grams of protein in a meal. How do you get that? By weighing your food and entering it and going, okay, if I have 100 grams of steak, What does that give me in protein? And when you weigh it up and you put it into your calculator and you go, okay, great, I've got 125 grams of steak and that gives me enough protein. You look at that piece of steak. How big is it? So when you then eat out next time, if they don't have the weights on the menus, I know steaks, they often go a 200-gram steak or a 350-gram steak. So you can actually go, okay, I can probably just eat half of that and take the other half home. But if you don't have that, it's about eyeballing. And this is where, you know, uh, estimations can come in. But you're never going to, and estimations are an estimation. There's obviously going to be, you know, a fair bit of error in that. But what you want to be able to do is get it as close as possible. And how do you do that? By having an awareness of what a serve looks like. What does 100 grams of potato look like? So if a baked potato comes out on your plate, you know, am I going to eat the whole lot or am I going to eat half? Because right now I just want to to stay in my macros. There may be times that you go out and you go, actually, I'm not tracking, I'm not looking, I'm, I'm in maintenance, I haven't had a meal out for three months. It really doesn't matter. You just go and eat. Eat till you're full and be happy. Prioritize your protein, eat till you're full and be happy. But if you're still in that space of trying to be quite specific and you know that you can't take your scales with you and whip them out at the dinner table, 
I personally have my scales at the dinner table occasionally at home. <laughs> I don't think a restaurant would appreciate that. So you're not going to take your scales out. So you do need to do the eyeball method. And the only way to get as close as you can and not fuck up your tracking is know what 100 grams actually looks like on your plate. Now, the other thing is, is Australia is fast following America. Sorry, American clients and listeners out there. Everything is upsized. I personally would rather go to a restaurant and have an entree main and dessert all smaller meals, and have a little bit of everything. I bloody love desserts. But by the time you, if you eat the entire meal on your plate, I'm stuffed and I'm a big eater. So if you just go out, order, and eat everything that's on your plate every time automatically without actually going, what's here, you, and, and you eat out regularly, you're, you're never going to reach any goals. So just bring in an awareness to it. And that's the awareness that takes you into that space that when you do reach your body composition goals and you do reach your health and hormone goals and you go, I'm in maintenance now, you can kind of eyeball at home as well because it, it's a bit of a maintenance is like a bit of a range. Some might be more, some might be less. doesn't really matter, but you're in that ballpark. You can do that if you've actually got a really good eye for knowing how much you need. But if you don't, you're never going you're you're to overshoot or undereat. Just depends what type of person you are. I have clients that just inherently undereat and clients that inherently overeat. So bringing that, it's about bringing that awareness by putting a visual to an actual number on the scale and a gram of protein or carbs or whatever in your tracker. So that's one of the things, um, you know, even how much does 200 mils of orange juice look like in a glass? So when I go out and I see a glass of orange juice, I know I've had roughly, ooh, 350 mils. Like you just get that awareness around it. It's still a guesstimation, but you do get an awareness out of it. And if you spend time, spend six to 12 months tracking, learning that skill, slowly getting better at estimating, eating out and maintenance becomes really easy because you don't need to be constantly tracking all the time. If you don't have those specific goals and you're happy where you're at, you don't have to track all the time, but the tracking gives you the skill to intuitively eat, we, you know, this intuitive eating thing, people come to me and say, oh, but I want to intuitively eat. Fuck me, society has totally lost concept of food. We eat that, that many processed foods. We don't even know what's in it. We might go, uh, you know, it says fat-free, but they've loaded it up with sugars. So you think you're eating a protein, but it's got a heap of carbs in it too. Or it says sugar-free and they've loaded it up with fat. So if we get back to basic eating and basic foods and understanding what they look like, that's where intuitive eating can come in. Intuitive eating is knowing what makes your body feel good and how much. If, if we don't track, we're never going to get to the place of, of that intuitive eating. And I love going into intuitive eating. And out the back of this cut, I'm going to come into some maintenance and I am actually going to spend a couple of months just in maintenance across summer enjoying the body I've built over the last 18 months because I did, you know, well over 12 months building and then I've done this fat loss phase. It's coming up for 18 months. I just want to enjoy food. 
that doesn't mean I'm going to go out and eat like an arsehole. I actually know what to eat and I enjoy those foods and I just know I don't overindulge in them and I'll be able to maintain. Um, the, the other one would be tracking saves you time. I know some people might not think this. If you've only ever tried to get into tracking and you go, oh, my God, it takes me so much time, I'm forever in the app, I'm so overwhelmed thinking about it, and then you stop, you're denying yourself the skill level to get to the point where tracking actually saves you time. And sometimes to get efficiencies, we actually have to put a bit of extra effort in, put a bit of extra time in and prioritise it before it gives back that efficiency. Um, And there's been a lot of examples in my working life where I've needed to do that in my career, push more to implement systems to win the efficiency back. And I always tell my clients when they come into my coaching container, four weeks, give yourself four weeks before you throw your hands in the air and go, I'm overwhelmed, this is too much. I actually also take a layered approach with my clients for the ones that haven't tracked before and I can usually see that they're feeling a bit overwhelmed. I'll give them more of a layered approach of targets to meet each week so it's not as overwhelming. But the fact is to learn the skill in that first few weeks, it does feel overwhelming It's like driving a car. When you learnt to drive a car, you were there as a spotty little teenager going, oh, my God, stay in the lines. Oh, clutch. Oh, brake. Oh, turn. Indicator. Like there were so many things racing through your mind and trying to coordinate all of that, it was overwhelming and you were scared. But I bet you now you can drive to the gym and not even remember the journey when you get out of your car because you were so on autopilot and that's what tracking will do for you. It is a skill to learn in the beginning. It's a skill you have to learn. It was like when you first started learning to lift. You didn't know how to lift. You're not born with that skill. You have to learn it. Learn the skill of tracking. It will be a little bit overwhelming and honestly that's where I say get a coach to help work you through rather than trying to pull together all of these free resources and free resources are amazing and I give away free resources too. But if you are getting that overwhelmed, all this free information being thrown at you, you don't know what order to put it in, how to approach it, get yourself a coach to help you learn to track, right? And once you've got that skill of tracking, it actually saves you time. So you'll track your food. So for me, my process now is on a Saturday, I go, right, I'm going to pick my breakfast, lunch and and snacks for the week. I'm a snacker. I eat about six times a day. I like to eat. So I have a breakfast, lunch, and I pick my my two snacks that I'm going to eat. Um, And I set them for the week. I make things really simple. I want to get rid of the decision fatigue for me. I want to know what I'm eating and that's where I start saving time. Decision fatigue is actually time consuming as well. When you get to the end of the day, get home from work and you go, oh my God, what am I going to eat? Ah, fuck it. I'll just have toast. Okay. You don't need to do that. You walk in the door and go, great, I'm having steak and chips. The steak's already out because I took it out before I went to work because I knew what I was going to eat. I've got a heap of peeled potatoes in the fridge in water. I just need to take out the amount of potato I need because I knew what I was going to eat. I did that on Sunday. I prepped all my potatoes on Sunday 
before the week started. So the decision fatigue is gone you, and because you were also a little bit ahead of time, you could just spend like two hours on a Sunday afternoon getting a few bits and pieces ready. You don't have to prep every meal. People think that tracking is prep every meal and have it all ready. You, I don't. I pick my breakfast, lunch and snacks. They're set, done, and I do any prep that sets me up for that. And I have a different dinner every night. And when I plug my dinner in, I just tweak my quantities because my dinners are built in a way that they pretty much meet my macros anyway. But one dinner might be a little bit heavier in fat, so I'm going to take the coconut oil out of my carrot salad today. Or um, I'm having prawns and they're quite light in fat, so I'm going to add some coconut oil to my um, breakfast shake in the morning to help bring my fat up. Or I'm going to have potatoes with it and add a nice dollop of butter instead of five grams I'm giving myself 10 grams yum butter salt potatoes beautiful so I can tweak things like that but I set it in I put my breakfast lunch and snacks into my tracker for the week and then I've also picked my seven meals I've actually picked that on Saturday because on Sunday I sit down and do that I have my shopping delivered so I sit down and I do my online order and it's delivered and then Sunday afternoon I'll peel potatoes and I'll put them in a heap of water and in the fridge. They'll last for up to four or five days in your fridge covered in water. So I can have, you know, a few serves of potatoes in there ready to go. I'll peel and stew some apples to have with my yogurt in the evening because that's what I love. So I've got some stewed apples there. But still, you know, when it comes to eating my, my dessert, I spoon the yogurt out, I put the apples on. So I'm still serving it up. But the hard things are done. I might have some fudge in my plan. So I'll cook a batch of fudge or an oat slice. I'll cook an oat slice. But there's minimal, like it's just a couple of hours of organization prep. And that's where all this time will save you because you're tracking and you know what you're going to eat. You've planned it. Tracking should be planned, not done ad hoc or post eating. Because what's the point? Yes, okay, you'll see what you've eaten and you'll go, oh shit, I overate on fat, but too late, mate, you ate it can't take it out that's called an eating disorder (laughs) so if you are trying to take it out by vomiting you shouldn't be tracking and actually that's probably a really good point when I talk about tracking and how beneficial it can be this is on the assumption that you aren't predisposed to uh, an eating disorder and look if that is you you need to speak to your psychologist and your GP about it first but I'm just talking about someone who just needs to get a better relationship for food in the sense of not binging, making better choices, or people who want to really dial in their training, get energy, heal their, you know, get their health under control, build some muscle, all those things that they want to do. This is where tracking is really, really handy. And when you learn all of this and put it all together, and yes, it is a skill and take some time to learn, you come out the other end of six to 12 months and I've not met anyone yet that said they regretted it. Not one. I've never met anyone that says, shit, I I wish I never built that muscle. Oh my God, I wish I didn't waste that time tracking my food. Anyone who's done it right and gotten their results, I've never seen them say they regret it because it's actually freeing. I find the tracking freeing. I don't have to think about food. So they are 
some of and and that's just some of the benefits of tracking there is so much more that we could dive into I'm a bit of a tracking geek I love to get into all of that but um yeah they're they're the things that really stand out to how tracking is not about restriction and it's not about dieting and the tools that it can give you to improve your health improve your training improve your energy all of that and when you feel good, the body follows. I can tell you that now. You know, it's not get the look and you'll feel better. It's feel better, get your health right, get your food right, get your training right, and the body just follows. That's just a result of it. And tracking is part of all of that. And it really is just freeing. And you go through life never having to have that emotional struggle of, I hate my body, I just look so overweight or I hate my body, I look so soft because you know what to do to fix it. If I go through a phase of not tracking and I start going, oh boy, pants are a bit tight and I'm not seeing much definition in the muscles there, all I do is go, okay, time to tighten up and I actually might put a deficit in there at the moment. Just a small one, do a mini cut, four weeks, under control again. Okay, good. Carry on. Because I've got the tools to fix it. You don't have to feel helpless that you don't know how to manage your own body. So you get set up for life to manage your own body. And as far as building that muscle, it is so hard for women to build muscle. You need everything to help you do that. And as we age, it gets harder to build muscle because we're declining And if you want to be an independent living elderly woman, then you need muscle because I'll be damned if I'm going to be that 80-year-old that fell over in a nursing home, broke a hip and died. Like it's just not going to be me. I'm not going to be that person that didn't have balance and wasn't strong enough to get themselves up off the floor. I will not be that old person. I'm going to be that 80-year-old standing in the gym next to the young 18-year-old going, hey, love, like your squat, nice and deep, that's going to be me because I know that I'll enjoy my life for a lot longer. I'm not going to be sick and elderly. And the way to do that is to build muscle and I need to track to make sure my body is getting all the nutrients it needs and enough of it to make those gains. Spend a couple of years doing that now, then I maintain it and I don't have to worry about being an elderly person that can't live independently. So that's, a, that's another spin to it apart from body composition goals of looking great. My true inner why is that I want to be independent in my old age. I want to be running around with my grandchildren. I want my grandchildren to enjoy coming to me because I'm active. And uh, if it means I have to track my food to grow my muscle, well then, that's what I do. And I guarantee you, if you invest into tracking, you will not regret it. So they are my uh, top tips on how tracking can be a great tool and not restrictive. And if you found this podcast helpful, feel free to share it on social media. I would love that or leave a review below. And if you're sharing me on social media, tag me at at strengthtraining.nutritionist.